Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Santa H., and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater for today. Today is Monday, June 6, 2016. Today we're reading from the Big Book, and we are on page 67. The last paragraph begins with, Notice that the word fear is bracketed. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Dana Dana B., The Twelve Traditions, Lydia S., and reading the literature for today are Deb W., Chrissy G., and Irene M. The share ID for Sunday, June 5th, 2016, our special edition meeting title, A Race for Time Against My Mind by Terry H. from Maine, is 8801. 801. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contribution, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA Fifth Tradition states, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Dana B. to please read the 12 steps, please. Good morning, Santa. My name is Dana B. I'm from Colorado. These are the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry the message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks for letting me do service, and I pass. And thank you, Dana B. 
And I will now ask Lydia S. to read a 12 Traditions, please. Good morning, Santa. Thank you so much, Lydia S. in Texas in recovery. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or AA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. A, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of our program, always ensuring principles before personalities. Thanks, Santa. I pass. And thank you, Lydia S. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speaker, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 67, the last paragraph, beginning with, notice the word fear is bracketed alongside the difficulties with. And I will now ask Deb W. to begin reading, please. Good morning. Thank you for your service, and good morning to all. This is Deb W., recovered in Oklahoma. Notice that the word fear is bracketed alongside the difficulties with Mr. Brown, Mrs. Jones, the employer, and the wife. This short word somehow touches about every aspect of our lives. It was an evil and corroding thread. The fabric of our existence was shot through with it. It set in motion trains of circumstances which brought us misfortune we felt we didn't deserve, but did not we ourselves set the ball rolling? 
Sometimes we think fear ought to be classed with stealing. It seems to cause more trouble. The the, uh, words that I focused on uh, this morning was it was an evil and corroding thread. The fabric of our existence was shot through with it. And around the rooms, I always heard the the word fear broke down as false evidence appearing real. And I was just sitting here thinking of how fear has uh, affected my life over the years. Um, and, and for me, the flip side of the fear of anger was fear. Fear was always underneath anger for me. Um, circumstances that I can uh, remember being afraid. I was afraid of what others think of me. Um, Afraid of people, social anxieties. I I remember staying away from my kids' activities uh, when they were growing up just due to fear, social fear. Um, I was afraid to speak up for myself, afraid of the future afraid of my past, that um, I'll be found out, somebody will uh, judge me, afraid of financial security, and then afraid someone would steal what I had, afraid to trust, Um, afraid that people will take advantage of me and will judge me, afraid to love, afraid of death, afraid to lose loved ones, afraid to live, afraid of bad health, afraid to trust a power greater than me. I had to try to hold on to everything and try to fix things, and it wasn't working. Um, Afraid to let go of things I can't do anything about. Uh, Instead, I'd hold on to the mental obsession and worry over these things. I just didn't know how, mainly. Um, 30 years of of staying away from my in-laws because they hurt my feelings over a period of a couple of years. And now my husband is sick. They're wanting to help. And I can't do it all, but yet I, I, am, I struggle with the fear that they'll hurt me again. Uh, what's helped me is that I'm in program. I'm learning to trust without expectations and, and live with one circumstance at a time, one interaction at a time, and um, accept the people and circumstances for what they are. I mean, people are who they are. I'm who I am. Um, And I can be disappointed without throwing everybody out and everything out. So that's all I had to share this morning. Thank you. And thank you, Deb W., and who would like to comment for approximately three minutes on what was read? Tina S. Paula D. MJ. Larry. Lindy F. Kathy K. Kathy K. Irene. I'm just writing away here, guys. Okay, this is who I heard. And if I missed you, I'll get you. Um, Tina S., Kim G., Paula, Paul, I think it was Paula I heard, Paula G., um, Larry K., Lindsay S., 
Kathy A. K, I'm sorry, and Irini M. Did I miss anyone? Oh, good. Okay, good morning, Tina. Good morning, Santa. Thanks for your service. Tina S., compulsive eater, anorexic in Florida. You know, early on, I never thought I was afraid of anything and, uh, until I started doing the work, and I love what it talks about because fear manifested itself in my life and all my character defects, you know, where I was selfish and dishonest and self-seeking and, and angry. I heard that, and, that you know, I certainly was, but would have never thought that. And, um, you know, one of the things that I know today is, and it tells us when we, in the next page when we get into the work, you know, it tells us why I'm afraid, you know, and I never knew any of that kind of stuff. But the good news today is that I do have a solution, and when I do this work, you know, I don't have to be afraid anymore. You know, I can be, but there's, you know, there's a great fear prayer in, in in the next pages, and I remember early on in recovery, I used to write that down on a three by five card, and I worked in a pharmacy, and it seemed like every five minutes I was taking that card out of my pocket because I was afraid of everything and everybody, and mostly I was afraid to lose something I got or not get something I wanted. That was the bottom line, and and today, you know, it's not always about me. I mean, and, and a lot of times, and you know, the, the truth of the matter is, a lot of times I think it's all about me. But, uh, you know, when I start getting out of myself, when I start trusting and relying on a power greater than myself, and that's what the first three steps bring me to do, is to make a decision, to turn my will, my thoughts, and my actions over to the care of, of a power greater than myself. And, and when I do this, I've got a shot. So one day at a time, I'm going to do it. So thanks, and I'll pass. And thank you, Tina S. Good morning, Kim G. Good morning, Santa. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Fear, the short word, somehow touches every aspect of our lives. You know, I just think it's brilliant. The simple four-step formula that's in the big book. You know, we look at our resentments, and what my experience is, by doing the resentment inventory and going through these columns, I discovered that my resentment often covered my anger. So now I have this sick man's prayer that says, God, save me from being angry. And what I discovered was that my anger often covered my fear. And the fear, we were told in step three, that we are driven by a hundred forms of fear. Fear is what motivates everything in my life. And I have to say, just to jump ahead, when I started to do my 10 steps, one of the suggestions was, don't wait till you're disturbed, Kim. Why don't you just stop throughout the day and practice this skill set? So I would get to work at 8 o'clock in the morning, and I would stop at 10 a.m., and I would take a little 3 by 5 card like Tina was talking about, and I would take that into the bathroom at work, and I'd write down selfish, dishonest, resentful, fearful. And I was shocked that I had been living in fear and anger and resentment for two hours. But you have to understand that my normal way of living was anxiety and fear. So I couldn't even recognize it, that the fabric of my life was, was sewn through it so that I couldn't even tell it until I started practicing these skill sets. And I have to tell you again, one of the, the, the mistakes I made was I heard about these prayers. I heard about the six man's prayer. I've heard about the fear prayer. I heard about these relationship prayers from the sex conduct. And I thought, okay, well, they're four-step prayers, and I never used them again. But the fact is we are learning these this skill set in step four. We embark and use it the rest of our life. So I use this fear prayer of God, you know, remove my fear and direct my attention to what you would have me be. And I use that on an ongoing basis because I am a human being. Of course I'm going to feel fear. 
but if I don't have to stay there anymore. I'm going to learn this specific inventory so that when that crops up, when I feel fearful, I have a way of getting rid of that. And just one of the things that was helpful to me that I heard is that when, when I would say where did that fear come from was two techniques. One is play it out to the worst case scenario, and the other one, when would I first have to have that fear? So just to give you two examples, I was afraid of never getting married. Play that out to the worst case scenario, I'm going to die alone. And the second I said it out loud, the fear was gone because that has nothing to do with me dying alone. The guy could die before me. I could get divorced. I have a large family. I'm not dying alone. And then when I first feel the fear, I have a big fear of being laughed at. And I remember, I'm at my three minutes. So I just remember being laughed at as a child. And I go back and I feel that age every single time I'm laughed at. And this skill set gives me the ability to get out of that fear. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Kim G. Good morning, Paula D. And good morning to you, Sandra, and thank you for your service. And this would be Paula Dean, grateful, recovered, compulsive reader, with and by the grace of God. You know, I'd like to, as we were reading this, what a, this short word somehow touches. It's not a gentle touch. It's not a gentle touch. It's a touch that takes away, that doesn't give. And I want to go on to that last part. It sets in motion. Scoot on down to that line. It sets in motion trains. Think of a train. Do you remember those long, long trains? And they would take forever. Cha-chung, cha-chung, cha-chung. And there would be the engine and there would be the fuel car and there would be the cargo cars. Can you see it? Trains of circumstances. They were long and they were life. Broadest misfortune. Now, this is what I like. We felt we didn't deserve. That was the part. What you received in life, the circumstances may be exactly the same, but wait, wait, it was you, not me. I want to go on, and I want to turn this page, but did we not see ourselves see the ball rolling? But look at what happens in this page as it's turned. Sometimes we think fear ought to be classed with stealing. Now, why would they class it with that? What does stealing do? It takes away what is yours. What is yours? Your faith, it takes it away. And it replaces with, with something that you didn't want to live with. It seems to cause more trouble. Well, that it does. Starts with my thinking, moves on to my feeling, and then becomes a way of life. A way of life? Fear? Thank God for this program and what we have received here. With that, I do pass. And thank you, Paula D. Good morning, Larry Kay. Good morning, Santa. Thanks for your service, Larry Kay, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. So, uh, yeah, the fear, you know, fear as a thief, you know, that's, that's the concept I can certainly relate to because, you know, fear continued to rob me of so much in my life. And, um, you know, fear that I wouldn't reach my full potential, fear that I wouldn't get what I wanted, fear, you know, fear that I'd be found out to be the fraud, the incongruent fraud that I perceived that I was, you know, and, and, and so, I mean, is it any wonder that I was blocked off from a connection to a higher power? Of course I was. I mean, certainly there was the resentments. We looked at that, that, 
that certainly can be blocked off. But now we're talking about fear. What an evil and corrosive thread that runs through my very being. And if I if I was going to live, I had to be rid of this fear. You know, there's 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 different types of fear. There's the there's the you know the the human the human emotion of fear. You know, we we have this fight or flight type of response, and it's good. We need that. We you know, if there's a tiger in the room, we need to to freeze or run or fight. Right? We need that ability. It's it's built into our DNA. The problem for most of us, certainly for me, was that there wasn't a tiger in the room, but yet I perceived that there was, always. It followed me around, always. And of course, I couldn't, I couldn't concentrate on much else when I was owned and tethered to the fear. And so now, you know, getting it down on paper, getting my fears as we move into the fear inventory here, and we're leading up to it, getting it down on paper, and recognizing that I, I'm powerless over a lot of these fears and I need, a, I need a means, I need a mechanism in which I can live with this fear and, and I need new perceptive lenses in which to interpret those, those things that scare me. And now I have that. See, I have that. I have a connection to a higher power that, that I received as a result of these steps. I, I've been re- inwardly restructured. I like when I heard that before from someone in program. I've been inwardly restructured. So it's not that the tiger doesn't show up sometimes. It does. But that the tiger doesn't follow me around from the moment I open my eyes in the morning to the moment I close my eyes. That's not, it's not like that anymore. Thank God for these, this practical program of action. It changed the way I'm able to interpret fear and, give me, and it gives me a connection to my higher power, the higher power of my own understanding. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. And thank you, Larry Kay. And good morning, Lizzie S. This is Lindy. Um, Lindy S. Um, I wanted to share um, because I don't I don't share very often. Um, although I listen and I appreciate everybody's sharing. Um, I mean, I've certainly been driven by fear. And in the old days of binging, it was certainly uh, driven primarily by my fear. And um, I am so grateful I'm not there. And I've been able to do much more with my life. And I'm much less constrained by fear. But I... I recognize it's still a factor every day, and I have trouble sleeping. I worry about getting a better job. I worry about, I'm fearful about that, that I won't, fearful that I will. Uh, I'm pretty lonely. I'm fearful that I won't find a partner. I won't have that before in my life. Um, and I know that the answer is to work the steps. Um, well, the answer is my higher power, and the steps are a way to get to my higher power. Um, but I have to say, I wish it were easier, and I wish it were more comfortable. Um, so for today, though, I am grateful, I'm grateful recovering compulsive over either. Thanks for letting me share. Okay.
And thank you, Lindy F. And good morning, Kathy Kay. Hi, Santa. Thank you for your service, and good morning to everyone. This is Kathy Kay, a recovered compulsive overeater. I really appreciate everything I've heard this morning. Um, uh, boy, this definitely was a corroding thread in my life, and I didn't even know it until I got abstinent and started doing the inventory work. Um, and when I finished the inventory work... Um, and became real clear about how much I was dominated by fear. Um, I I wasn't rid of it. I still had to practice every day what is suggested in the paragraphs that are coming up. But one thing I wanted to share, someone once said to me, um, the acronym FEAR, false evidence appearing real which I thought was so helpful to me because it reminds me that um, I fuel my fear with my thinking. Um, and that's really the self-reliance that we're going to read about in a paragraph or two was what fueled my fear. I would tell myself amazingly scary things like, um, I'm not good enough, I'll never be good enough, People won't love me. People don't love me. And I wasn't even aware of this self-talk until I started doing the fear inventory. So today, when I'm in fear, I need to ask my higher power to help me turn around those thoughts that keep me in false evidence appearing real. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Kathy Kay. And good morning, Irini and <clears throat> Good morning. Thank you, <clears throat> Santa, for your service. And <clears throat> excuse me. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini M. from New York, and I am a very, very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Always giving credit where credit is due. And I will piggyback on what Kathy has said. Yes, fear is false evidence appears real. And this is, this was my true, my uh, false self, you know, that I chose to feed and focus on. And whatever I focus has a hold on me. And I was focusing on my illusions. I was focusing on my stories. I was focusing on my lies. And I was living a false self. And that is, this fear is what kept me in the dark. And it blocked my whole life. And it put me in the ground really deep. So I needed to come above that ground. I needed light from that darkness. And I needed the light of the Spirit to be unblocked by replacing that fear with faith and courage and really the truth and to see what my true self is and to start living that. And the truth always, always sets us free. And thank you, God, for this gift, this program, because here, and it is a gift, 
here now is a chance to take this inventory of what you know I was so afraid of to face and um it's a beginning it's this beginning process of unpeeling the onion of cleaning the garbage that was stacked onto our true self so i i was so tired of living that way i was tired of isolation i was tired of being disconnected i was tired of of um not having any kind of connection with with myself with god and with others and I was trying to tread, you know, water on my own and not even knowing how to swim, not to ask how to swim, not to be saved or anything. And I needed, I needed God's help. I needed your help. I got tired of hiding and wearing masks and pretending to be somebody I wasn't. You know, I was being dishonest, and that wasn't serving me and didn't feel good. It felt horrible, and it brought up a lot of, I had to use a lot of energy to do that. And, you know, it was time to um, have courage and faith and to start practicing that. And this is by living in the solution and to see and recognize the patterns that... um, I was having and then having the power, God's power to break them. Thank you, and I pass. And thank you, Irini M. And who else would like to comment on what was read? If you're just joining us, we are here yeah. on page 67, Melissa. last paragraph. Melissa. Whoa. BDG from Boston. Did you get Gail P? Okay, there's a lot of garble, but this is who I heard so far, and it's only a few. I heard Melissa C, Sally A, and Katie G. Who else? Gail P. Gail P. Gail P. Is there a Lita P that I hear? Yes. Yes, okay, and I heard of Gail, Gail P. Anyone else? Nessa R. I, got, I have you down, Nessa. Anyone else? Rachel Leah. I didn't get your name. One more time, please. Rachel Leah R. Rachel R. Okay. Okay, I'm going to repeat the list again. This is who I heard. I heard Melissa C. Sally A, Katie G, Nessa R, Alita P, Gail P, and Rachel R. Did I miss anyone? Okay. Good morning, Melissa C. Hi. Good morning, Sansa. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C. Recovered, compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, I had such a, a um, false sense of who I was that I really thought I had no fears for a long time. You know, meanwhile, I was consuming so much food. So I had, you know, this false bravado. And, you know, I could name a hundred brave things that I did and, and point out how fearless I was. But um, really my biggest fear was being found out. You know, I... Somebody gave me the term for this over the weekend that my whole life I've been in image management. 
And, um, you know, my fear was that somehow uh, you were going to find me out, that the, 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 the gig was up, that I wasn't who I was pretending to be. And, um, you know, when I put the food down, um, there was a whole level of realization that, um, you know, I'm terrified. I'm terrified of being my authentic self, that somehow I wasn't good enough. Um, you know, and the other thing is that um, I did have other fears that were growing and growing and growing um, um, because I wasn't addressing them, and they were very much related to resentment. You know, I um, was still clinging to so many things that happened to me. And, you know, and if you had, I would say to myself, if you went through what I went through, you would just understand why I was entitled. You know, I felt like I owned these fears and they were justly mine. You know, I was afraid of something horrible happening to my kids because I'd experienced that. I was afraid of something happening to me. Um, you know, and some of these fears, um, you know, these are real things that happen. But as I live in my recovered state, um, I have a faith that I never had before, that, um, and I'm present in the moment. And so I know that when fear, and I'm human, so sometimes fear really revisits me, but um, when I'm feeling fearful, I'm not being present in this exact moment. I'm reflecting on the past and I'm projecting into the future. And um, when I do feel fear arise, along with saying the fear prayer, I also just remind myself, where are your feet today? Where are you right now? And safe and protected in a higher power. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. And thank you, Melissa C. Good morning, Sally A. Good morning, Santa. I don't have a timer, so I'm counting on you to let me know, okay? Okay. Good morning, a vision for you. It's Sally A. in South Jersey. And I had a couple of thoughts about this paragraph that is clearly is ushering us into the fear inventory. Um, the first thing I wanted to say is that I've realized in this last few years of working the steps that uh, in the past, I had no boundaries, I had actually no boundaries. I, I Basic boundaries I was not taught as a child. And so consequently, I had lots of resentments, lots and lots of resentments. In fact, I had 98 resentments that I had to deal with when I had made my list of resentments. And I realized that the reason why I had so many resentments is because I had no boundaries. So I was just doing what you wanted me to do. I was the biggest people pleaser or one of the biggest people pleasers that walked the earth because I had no boundaries. And so consequently, I did whatever you said, whatever you wanted, whatever you wanted me to do, and I walked away full of resentments. But now that I've become recovered, I don't have so many resentments because I'm now learning boundaries. I'm now learning to pray and ask God, should I do that? Should I not do that? I'm now pausing before I just impulsively say, sure, I'll do that. And so I don't have all these resentments, but instead I've traded all those resentments for lots of fear. I walk around still, even after four years of recovery, with lots of fear of what will they think of me? I said, no, I didn't say yes. I wasn't a people pleaser. And so consequently, I find fear is, is something that I'm still living with. Fear is still in my belly. 
I'm still even now, as I speak to you guys right now, I'm still shaking. I still have fear of what if I do it wrong? What if they don't like me? I've got tons of fear that I'm still working with. And this brings me to my point. Then why bother praying? What am I praying for? What do I really believe then? And I believe that this is where God is driving me. Where I was being driven by fear, I believe that God is driving me to a place of surrendering the outcomes, a place of belief, a a place of true reliance on infinite God and not finite Sally anymore, a place of believing that God is in control, Sally is not, and that I am in the passenger seat just along for the ride, I can take my hands off the steering wheel, and it's, a, it's truly a place of peace. I hope that helps one of you today, because that's where I am today. Thanks for letting me share. And thank you, Sally A. And good morning, Katie G. Hi, Santa. May I be heard? You sure can. <laughs> Let me get my timer going. Katie G, recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic. When I first um, did this eight years ago out of the book, and I've done it many times since, um, when I completed the fears part, I was devastated um, because what I saw was that I had lived a life based on fear. And what that meant is because I, I don't remember any other emotion from growing up besides fear and rage. And um panic fear and um what i saw is i was afraid of not being good enough and so if i wasn't good enough then i shouldn't apply to that college if i shouldn't apply to that college i shouldn't go if i don't go um i should definitely not take the gres because i'm too stupid to handle math or science and could never do a profession in in math or science if i can't do that i shouldn't even try So I should get a job in management because that's the only way because I'm going to be single the rest of my life and I need to make sure that I make enough money. And if you hear, I could continue, but the way I tried to manage my fear from the time I was a little girl was to control my external environment. If I could just get you, if I could just get the pieces to go, if I could live my life safely enough and arrange everything the way my small mind thinks it should be, then I'll be okay. And what was so profound for me is the changes, the dynamic, enormous, phenomenal changes that have happened as the result of seeing the fear And as Kim so eloquently talked about, we talk about when's the first time I had the fear? How did I try and control the fear? What would it look like specifically, KDG, if you trust and relied on God? You'd take the GREs three times and have a panic attack 2.5 times. You'd apply to graduate school, even though you think you're too stupid, and you'd go, and you'd get in because God, for some reason, thought you were smart enough to go. And then you'd get a profession in a profession you never thought you were smart enough to get, right? And so in my last 45 seconds, what I'll say is what this work has done for my fear is it's transformed it because I still feel fear, but the difference is my life is not dominated by it. And I have strategies to say, 
Okay, little Katie, I see the fear of, of, of um, being inferior is up. And because of that fear, you're looking at your boss and you want to rip her a new one. Hand over heart, Katie G, because these are old fears. Take a deep breath, trust and rely on God. So if you're feeling fear right now, keep moving forward. There is a solution. Entire abstinence in these steps will break you free. And I'll do it with you guys one more day. And with that, I do pass. And thank you, Katie G. Good morning, Nessa R. Hi. Um, good morning. My name is Nessa R. And I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, what I have learned in program is that uh, my fear is driven out of selfishness. Fear is essentially selfishness. Uh, number one, uh, it's rooted in the, in the erroneous belief that I know better what's better for everybody else, uh, for myself and everybody else, and that if things don't turn out in the future to be what I think they should be so that everybody can be happy and everybody can benefit, then my life will be hard and I will experience pain. So in order to avoid that potential pain, I try to control everything and everyone around me uh, to spare them, obviously, of the pain and to spare me, uh, which I didn't realize at the time, of the pain also of hardship, of disappointment, or whatever it is. And I try to just control, 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 control. And invariably what happens is that things did not turn out, turn out according to my little plans and design, and invariably they backfired. And so because of the fear uh, to try to avoid pain, I was actually causing pain to my loved ones. I was um, causing uh, pain to myself just because... Um, you know, people retaliate. They don't want to do what I want them to do. You know, I don't like being told what to do. I don't like being manipulated into doing something I don't want to do. So what led me to believe that I could do it to somebody else? It was crazy, you know. I was just playing God in everybody else's life, not only my own, and it just didn't work. It just didn't work. God has a future for all of us, and if it includes disappointment, and if it includes pain, then he will also give us the means to withstand and overcome and come out the other side of that pain and that disappointment. You know, it's not up to me to try to prevent it for, for anybody else or even for me. But um, the key thing here is that fear is selfishness, is the concern that I will not get my way in the future. Um, and I got to let go of that. And it's only because of the tools of this program, because of these steps, that I have learned to trust God and, moreover, to know to the inner core of my being that whatever comes my way, I can withstand with God's help. You know, that I will be okay as long as I am well grounded and trusting in God. And I pass. Thank you. And thank you, Nessa R. Good morning, Alita P. Hi. Good morning. Thank you for your service. And good morning to everyone on the line. Um, I My whole life has been, um, I have been responding to fear and living out of that response. 
and I have had so much fear of not being liked, so much fear of confrontation, and and fear. This fear has um, uh, has in a lot of ways is not real, but to me it has seemed real, and my whole body has my physical being has responded to it when I go, have gone before going going into social situations. I would have knots in my stomach really very uncomfortable feelings and um so i'm just reminding those uncomfortable feelings are good because they they cause us to change but um also once i put the when i was into the food i would whenever i would have this fear i would just numb out with the food and then go in in a, a stupor uh to the situation but now the food is down, so I'm 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 being asked to be aware, awake, and alert, and I have more clarity, and I'm very thankful for that. Very thankful. Um, I heard this week that fear is inadequate trust in God, and our fear prayer um, does, um, or the fear form that we have. Um, it says, uh, was I depending on God or was I depending on my, um, was I depending on infinite God or was I depending on my finite self? And so always when I have these fears, I'm depending on myself. I'm feeling like, well, I can do a better job than you can, God, or higher power. And um, so it's uh, a matter of me growing in my trust in God and um, acting on that trust, even though it's uncomfortable, and even though I have no idea what the outcome will be, I have to. I need to learn, and I am learning. Thank you, God, to walk through some of these fears. And um, I heard this week that an eagle. Uh, we hear the song "Fly Like an Eagle," and eagles rise above the storm. And they're up in the sunshine looking down on the storm, enjoying themselves. And they wait for the storm to come. So we know, we are told in our big book that um, when these situations arise, fear and and resentment and so forth, and those involve a lot of fear, fear uh, resentments also, um, that uh, we deal with them. So thank you, God. We have a way to... Um, Gentle reminder. Work program. Thank you. Thank you. We have a way to work program on, on these spheres, and I'm very thankful. And with that, I guess. And thank you, Alita P. And good morning, Gail P. Good morning, everyone. This is Gail T. in Central Texas. Everything that everyone said is just really magnificent this morning, and I'm not sure if I'm going to say anything differently, but I just want to hold my seat here, which is the universality of being definitely a person is to have fear. And it's that we want what we want, we don't want what we don't want, and we don't want to lose what we don't want to lose. And all of that creates fear. And that fear, and that, and a lot of times that's self-imposed fear, the emotionality of it, which everyone is talking about. Like, I want to really consider if I'm not right, all of that kind of stuff. But also, and then that's about false evidence 
appearing real. But the fact is, is that fear is a biological response. And sometimes it's good to have a biological response that danger is out there and that you're able to perform to get yourself out of danger. And the w one way I would look at that is when we get away from our trigger foods, our trigger foods are dangerous to us. And then we learn that we can't get near our trigger foods. And then we don't get near our trigger foods. And so we have alleviated that danger in our life to appropriate action. And to close, I love the, I can't remember her name, but the woman who wrote the five chapters of her life where she walks down the street and she falls in a hole and she doesn't know how to get out of it and then eventually she does. And then she walks down the same street and falls in that hole and she wonders how she got there and then she gets out of it. But the third time she goes down the third street, that same street, she falls in the hole and she knows something is up with her. And then the fourth time she walks down the same street, she walks around that hole. And then the fifth time, she doesn't even walk down that street. So there's a whole thing about learning about how to overcome our fearfulness, our powerlessness, our sense of victimness, uh, victimization, where we're hopeless, where we're in despair, all of those things. And I think the serenity prayer is such a phenomenal prayer because it says, God grant me the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know that I can't, the things that I can't. And so we learn what we can't do and what we can do, and we, and we ask for the protection and also the guidance and wisdom to do what we can. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Gail T. And good morning, Rachel R. Hi, good morning. It's Rachel R., compulsive restrictor. I just want to tell everybody I'm so grateful to be back in group. It's been many years since I left it. And just I'm so grateful for at the sharing of every single person. So I think I just want to share for those that are just beginning or beginning again, not to let go, not to give up until you've begun to experience the the results, the the promises that are promised in the twelve in the twelve step in the in the big book. Um, some of the things that I've benefited so far, I've gained about four pounds, which is awesome for me because it's been almost impossible for me to gain weight. And also, I was always tired, especially the past year before getting back into group. I started drinking coffee, and that's not, that wasn't, quote-unquote, wasn't me. Um, but I was always tired. I woke up in the morning feeling, even before I got out of bed, that I'm exhausted. And about uh, right uh, about three months ago, I stopped feeling tired. I'm now trying to drink only decaf because I just like the taste of it, but I don't need it. And so I thank all of you, everyone that's sharing. Your sharings have been have added so much to my life. Everything, everything all of you have been with, I feel like we are really absolutely, unquestionably one family. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Rachel R. And we have just a couple minutes remaining, and I will take this moment to share on what was read. My name is Santa H., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, living in a solution one day at a time. And so wonderful to hear today um, a lot of the 
shares resonated. I'm smiling and saying, yes, right on. I'm, I, I'm with you on it. But just to put my little two cents into this paragraph, this whole process for me is what I've learned, um, you know, with the fair inventory and the resentment inventory is that I had an opportunity to look at what was the crux of my problem, which is my thinking. And I'm also like the, um, the acronym for fear, um, false evidence appearing real. Because the more and more I do this work and the more I experience um, living this way of life, I'm discovering that for myself, that everything is an illusion. Um, nothing's real. And it's real because I make it to be real and to be my reality. And I get to change it. And that's what this program has taught me a way how to do that. And everything that I say is a prayer. And I love the term that one of my fellows use, and I use it now. It's really prayer for me is nothing but affirmative declaration. So I can pray I'm not good enough, I'm, I'm not going to make it, um, it's not for me, um, it's not the right time. I can, I, I can pray that. Or I can change that prayer to something that's powerful and put out a different type of energy into the universe and get a different result. And so one of the affirmations that I wanted to share that I was sitting here reading as I was listening this morning that has helped me in this whole thing about the illusion is that I often say to myself, every day now, I am responsible for what I see, and I choose the feelings I experience. And that has made me really begin to see how I can change my thinking in an instant and realize that fear for me today is really my friend. Um, I look at fear as a friend because it, it, too, it does one thing. It gets me to um, move to a higher level. I know I'm about to get out of my comfort zone. And, and my higher power, the energy of the universe is evolving me to another level. And so I get nervous. And so I don't know what's going to happen. So there I go into my old patterns of thinking. But then I can embrace that and walk through that fear and come on the other side because the fear is not going to go away. Fear is always going to be there. And I don't believe that for me that the universe removes my fear. It's for me to walk through my fear and get on the other side. And I'll leave it with one last thought. One thing that I, I read and I heard that really helped me to understand fear today I want to pass on to you. It's like seeing a, a stick on the ground. And from a distance, I'm thinking, oh, my God, that's a snake. And, you know, me, afraid of snakes. Um, at one time, but just pretend I'm afraid of snakes today. So I look at that, I'm afraid of snakes. And then so what it is, this program, this program does for me with the help of others and my higher power is just to guide me and walk me over and realize that was nothing but a stick. But from a distance, I thought it was a snake. And that's all illusions are, and that's all fears are for me today. And with that, I pass. And that brings us to the end of our meeting. And thank you to everyone who shared today. It was an awesome meeting. And please join us for the second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And I will now ask Chrissy G. if she could please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only until only until keep you until then please hi it's chrissy g recovered in new jersey um 164 santa yes mm-hmm okay, thank you chrissy g. our book is meant to be suggestive only 
we realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is so sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.